and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Welcome back to Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. We've been away, but now we're back in a new location for me, in the same location for Tom and Daniel, but I'm sure you're both equally excited to be back. Uh, Chaps in the virtual recording studio. Uh, Welcome. Uh, Nice to see you both. How's it going? Let's come to you, Tom. How how are you? You just bought a new clergy shirt, which looks exactly the same as your old one. Meow. Sorry. Meow. Uh, (laughs) We'll come to that later, won't we? Is that that some kind of uh, verbal description of your appearance? No, it's me identifying as a cat. I see. Um, see. But not very enthusiastic. I wasn't sure which animal to do, to be honest. I probably sort of uh, seek to discern my spirit animal or whatever kind of nonsense people do for this um how do they know that's what i want to know how do they know it's just um, a feeling tom it's just, just a feeling it's a feeling okay it's just a feeling uh, if they di- identify if you as know, a bird, you know. if you know you know can you fly that's my question um hi <laughs> i'm really good i went to see peter gabriel on monday at the right. from from genesis from genesis yeah though he's uh, he's had a longer career out of genesis than in genesis now he's very good right great singer really really distinctive voice uh, great showman what are his sort of famous, famous songs that he's known for? Well, Sledgehammer is, is probably the most famous one that you'll come across. Um, Salisbury Hill in Bath. Mm, I don't know. Do you not know it? Oh, you should listen to Sledgehammer. You'd, you'd recognise it. Uh, right. Definitely. You'd rec- Daniel's nodding slightly. Have you heard of Sledgehammer? Yeah. Have you? It's like you a classic. One, I, I know more like Phil Collins stuff, you know, like Susu Studio. Um, well, I mean, you know, Phil Collins probably was sort of like, I was playing them to my to my wife, and she, she said to me, it "Sounds quite like Phil Collins." I was like, "You did know they're in the same band?" And she's like, yeah. "Oh no, I didn't know that." Um, uh, but I, I knew that. I mean, you knew that's, that. That's um, where I brought up the comparison. So, so I think I think it's a valid comparison to me. I think Phil Collins is a bit poppier. Anyway, he's he's, he's a fantastic musician. They, they, his whole band were actually, but the um uh the 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 spectacle of uh of a, of a peter gabriel concert as part of why you go there and it really was a, a spectacle the, the the artwork where he did collaborations with different modern artists and they were all high qualities and really innovative use of um uh projectors and screens um all in all i really um i really enjoyed it um we were in the o2 and we got upgraded we we're just hanging around outside yeah. uh the we were going to be up in the uh, up in the upper circle if you know the o2 it's obviously a vast arena i don't know how many people it holds tens of thousands and we were going to be up at the back at the top uh and we were just ha- because we didn't get managed to get seats next to each other me and my parents were hanging around with my aunt um and this lady comes up and said would you like to upgrade and we said yeah okay and so she gave us four new tickets uh next uh, next to each other down about 25 meters away from the stage and it was just amazing wow were you wearing your glorious blue shirt i I, actually i was wearing my other one it was i i I I got straight from a funeral um uh, so I was in clericals. Really? Um, you were minus, in clerical shirt? Well, I, minus the, um, I thought I'd take my um, collar off because it's a bit warm. So I was in a blue clerical shirt. Nice. Very nice, Tom. Well done. Well, the, you were being a, you were being a witness for Christ. So, so uh, at that Peter Gabriel concert. So, so well done. And uh, Daniel, um, good to see you. Uh, everything mm-hmm. okay over in sunny Solcombe? Yeah. Uh, my daughter's just finished her last GCSE. So end of school uniform that's a, a a new era coming in hopefully sixth form so yeah. Uh, yeah yeah oh good so you're celebrating with some some ice mm. cream or some mm. jelly or pizza <laughs> I, ice cream ice, ice cream, cream. And coffee <laughs> she's probably a bit old for jelly 
you know, I had yeah, jelly the wife, other day. Jelly, um, yeah. I, I had jelly when uh, it's the first thing I was allowed to eat after my operation a fortnight ago, uh, no, three oh, weeks yeah. ago now. And the, so I said, they, uh, the, I wasn't allowed hot food. And yeah. I said, just do, you, just do you have any jelly? I just And they said, yes. And along came a load of NHS strawberry flavored jelly, which is actually very nice. Mm, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, listen, chaps, we've got loads to talk about today. Um, I just want to do a little notice about our church search, which if anyone doesn't know, it's on our website, revenpod.com. And uh, basically the idea is we've got a map, uh, a map of the UK. It's actually of the whole world, but most of the churches are in the UK, although you can put them for other countries as well. Anyway, the point is, it's like a kind of positive trip advisor for churches. That's the way I put it, because people often get in touch with us and say, you know, we'd love to go to church. I'd love to find a church, but I don't know where to go. And obviously, we don't know all the churches in the country. So what we're doing is we're getting you to go on that that page on our website, revenpod.com, click on Church Finder, and fill out the form that's there if you've got a church which you'd like to recommend. And the question that you, um, you answer is... Um, something like what would listeners to a reverend enjoy about this church or love about this church? And that's the question you've got to answer. And then eventually that form will be sent to us and we'll, we'll get it put up on the, um, the map. The problem is I've obviously been, uh, well, not obviously you might not know. I've been moving house over the past week. So I've fallen a bit behind and we've had quite a lot of people send them in, which is great. Um, so just to let you know, there are more going up um, uh, and it's just going to take a little bit of time to get them all there. If you've put one on, if you sent a form, I mean, there's no problem. Don't worry. It will just take time to to get that up there. So please don't worry about that. But the church search is there. You can use it and you can send in forms. And um, and yeah, hopefully that will be really helpful. By the way, if anyone does use that and successfully connects with the church, please do let us know because it would be great to hear that it's actually it's actually um, achieving its purpose. Irrevenpod at gmail.com if you'd like to do that. Uh, so yeah, that's about the church search updates. Anyway, that's that. I don't have any more notices, and uh, I think we've got so much to talk about. We should probably get straight into the old uh, scripture, which I believe Tom, you're going to help us with today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we should do the Lord's prayer, shouldn't we? We um, should. Please, so, Daniel, to lead it. Yeah, why don't, Daniel? Why don't you do the Lord's Daniel, prayer? Daniel, you do scripture. Absolutely. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What's so, the scripture uh, reference? <laughs> it's due to, right off for listening, Daniel. Um, yeah, Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 22. Um so this is from the Revised Standard Version. Oh, yes. Good version. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren. In him, him you shall heed. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they have rightly said all that they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not give heed to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. 
And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Very nice. Yeah. A great, a great passage there. Do we do we understand that, you know, that first bit there? Is that a, is that a, a prophecy of, of Jesus, is it, at the beginning when it talks about, you know, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, there's, that's one obvious one you can make. I mean, I think um, it's, it's Moses speaking. It should be said. It's not clear from that passage. I, I'm never quite sure whether to put in a sort of Moses said at the beginning or not. But anyway, um, uh, there are other prophets. They weren't there. So um, other people like Moses, um, never quite reaching his heights. But I guess um, uh, uh, you, Joshua. Joshua yeah. is another pro- prophet like Moses, um, David, King David. Um, but yeah, I think I think in the end, Jesus is the is is pro- prophet, priest, and uh, and savior, isn't he? So um, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, the reason we wanted to do this is kind of as a slightly um, slightly fun one um, because uh, our world is filled with uh, false prophets today, uh, people who predict the future but who predict it um, inaccurately. So um, what does it say here? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. So I think, go on, yeah, I mean, we first spoke about it. Jeremy reminded me, we first spoke about it very early on in a reverend. And I think in, uh, uh, in passing about probably Chris Whitty or something, wasn't it? Uh, and their doom-laden presumptuous prophecies but there's another person um who has made other presumptuous prophecies haven't they yes Um, indeed well we're coming up on five years since greta thunberg tweeted out uh the following a top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years so this was five years ago and we're all still alive Mind you, arguably, you could say the prophecy hasn't necessarily been tested, has it? In what way? What do you mean? I mean, you know, we we haven't stopped using fossil fuels and we could all die in the future due to it, I guess, arguably, but but probably not. Not not over the next five years when the five years have already elapsed. Apparently, um, she actually deleted this tweet uh, back in March. So um, I can can give you a... Do you want to hear a bit of uh, Tucker Carlson talking about that? Um, back then. Let's have a listen, shall we? COVID isn't the only big project they have in mind for us, a project the experts will justify at MSNBC. And indeed, it's not. There is the climate change agenda. And the climate change agenda is the single most ambitious effort to remake human civilization in all recorded history. And it's coming. In fact, it's already in progress. The only reason that millions and millions of Americans aren't protesting in the streets tonight over this effort to completely overturn their lives is that on some level, many people still do trust the experts, at least on climate change. But should they? We were pondering that this morning when we saw that the world's most famous climate change expert, Greta Thunberg of Sweden, just deleted a tweet she wrote in June of 2018. Here it is. I think think he means that somewhat ironically. This is back before he was kicked out by Fox, by the way. So June 2018. 
Well, I, do, I do. I mean, I think it's possibly arguable that you could read the, uh, the tweet as saying, unless we stop in the next five years, humanity at some point in the future will be wiped out. But yeah, I mean, there'd be plenty of quotes, haven't there? I mean, why, why in the next five years? I mean, what, which it's, it's, it's complete nonsense um, and obviously won't come true. Um, yeah, yeah. But, let's, let's, let's just listen to it. It's, it's a short clip, almost over. Yeah, okay. A top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Scientist, of course, was a Harvard professor, so obviously that prediction was going to be correct. But here we are still driving our Silverados and still alive, and some of us are still happy. So it does make you wonder if Greta Thunberg, the greatly revered Greta Thunberg, a perennial finalist for the Nobel Peace Prize, could have gotten that so wrong. What else have the climate experts gotten wrong? And how long have they been getting it wrong? That's a good Me? question, isn't it? Um, yeah, I know what you mean, Tom, but I think, uh, uh, to, to my mind, the, the, the tweet reads that she's saying that in five years, humanity will be wiped out unless we stop using um, uh, fossil fuels. And I'm, I'm sure that's, it, it, I think that's that's clearly what that tweet means. She doesn't mean, you know, it, the, the damage will be irreversible unless I mean, we using it over the next five years it's, it's also complete nonsense because i mean if if, if the if the if the humanity had literally stopped using fossil fuels all fossil fuels within that five years i mean probably two-thirds of humanity would be dead now anyway yeah so there'd be there'd be just you know we, the, the economy would have collapsed to the point we wouldn't be able to feed we wouldn't be able to heat we wouldn't be able to do anything like you know the the, the world would be a funeral pyre um and it would have achieved nothing yeah i was i was reading um uh, Laura Dodsworth's new book, which she worked, wrote with, um, I think he was, um, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think he's some kind of behavioral science expert called Patrick Fagan. And um, she, she was, she and he were, that's two people, by the way, um, not somebody with some kind of split identity. She and he were. Oh, two um, spirit. Yeah, two spirit. <laughs> she and he were saying that um, this is actually like an, a technique, a, a, a manipulative technique that the media and politicians use whereby they seed an idea by actually denying it so they'll come out and they'll say um i, I guess this isn't exactly the same thing or, or, or maybe it is it's like it's like seeding an idea by saying something inaccurate let's let's say it like that so they'll come out and they'll say well we completely deny this or they'll make a false they'll make a kind of false um prophecy but they'll use that in order to then take the further step and to actually implement something or to uh to do the thing that they said they weren't going to do so the the example she gave was you remember when nadim zahawi uh i think it was when he was the vaccines minister he came out oh, and yeah. said there will not be any vaccine passports you know we're not going to introduce any vaccine passports and we're definitely not going to do it and then you know some short time later he said well it would be absolutely irresponsible if we didn't introduce vaccine passports so anyway that's quite as i thought it was a really interesting example of the way that somebody comes out and says you know um we absolutely did not deny something uh, in order to plant the idea in your head and then you know, later on to then say, well, we are going to do this. So it's almost like just by hearing the idea, even in the context of a denial, um, it actually sort of softens people up and and, and makes them ready for it. And uh, you the know, with the vaccine passport was, um, if you looked at the government website before he'd made that first statement, there was actually um, uh, procurements already going on for the software. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they found, and uh, yeah, civil servants working on it. So. Um... So they did that. So you. So I mean, it really does seem that that was a, a behavioural 
science manipulative technique or what yeah. i don't know really what you'd call or, it or just a lie yeah um yeah yeah a lie but why why would you do that i mean unless unless you were following i mean that you know and, and laura's obviously written a lot about the nudge unit and everything like that in in government so they they know they know what they're doing don't they when they when they do things like this uh, presumably these things were quite calculated but anyway so so i mean this the way it relates to this kind of um somewhat obliquely is that we keep we've always had these kind of prophecies of well the world's about to end unless you know x y and z happens unless we stop using fossil fuels another thing laura writes about is this um softening us up breeding bugs and insects and things like that um so we have to start doing all of these things and if we don't, the world is going to end. And of course, the world doesn't end and humanity doesn't die out. But at the same time, it's always seeding these ideas in our minds that like we must stop using fossil fuels. We must cut these things down, even though the prophecies continue to fail time and time again. And I do think there is a I do think there is a sort of uh, we, we chose this passage somewhat facetiously, didn't we? But but there is a but there is a, a serious application here, which is that, you know, when people do make prophecies which fail, time and time again whether that's because they are they're lying or because they're making inaccurate predictions in a very confident way um it does it does imply that these people are not trustworthy and that we should stop we should stop trusting them i know it sounds sort of obvious but people find that really really hard to do and um you know these these uh these things persist and and continue to have a hold over us so i do think i do think the application is pa- passage um applies uh, to the modern world as well you know, if, if people say things and they don't come true, these words have been spoken presumptuously, and you don't need to be afraid of this of this prophet because it's a false prophet. So I don't know what you guys think of that. That's just the way I the way I think about this passage. I I mean I agree. I tend to say that we shouldn't um, sort of uh, sort of temptation to spit off kind of scientific sounding prophet prophecies with um, to sort of you know religious sounding ones, but there's no reason to make that category distinction is there um because in the end all, all, all of these sort of scientific prophecies which are based on modeling require a are essentially just a, a reflection of um of belief in a sense um and uh so yeah i, I mean i yeah i i mean the, the, when you look at all of the um for example all the models and this is very clear even from you know the ipcc that they're all running hot they're all making predictions that haven't yet come true there's no models that have accurately predicted for example the current temperature um uh, as measured by um uh, sort of um uh satellite temperature which is very accurate um sort of ceased to increase for the for the last 20 odd years um you know it's it's not in there they can't predict it they're all wrong um they've they've all been failed over and over again i don't know quite why people keep listening to them other than um it's now become ingrained um yeah and and you only have to have a a little knowledge of modeling to um see that uh modeling is an incredibly inaccurate science uh and that you can end up with um millions of models coming out of uh, a data set uh there are probably billions of models are on some bell curve and of course it's quite easy just to pick the one that you know suits the uh, the politique of the time they do that they pick the worst one don't they they pick the um ip6 or whatever it is the one with the the maximum amount of heat heating in there and, and produce all their press releases based around that was well, actually the the actual scientific publications are far more hesitant about the whole thing and um and it's quite shameful shameless in a way you know this is what they do 
Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I do, I do recommend this book, Free Your Mind, when it when it comes out. So it's it's really good. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I think it's. I think I, I've I, I got a copy from Harper Collins a nice. couple of weeks ago, and I've, I've read it with a view to doing a review. And uh, yeah, it's it's very good. It's it's, mm. it's compelling reading, actually. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think it's actually a great thing to give to people who are um you know sort of more trusting of of the media and the government to just just open people's eyes to how manipulative um these organs often are and the fact that they have these established techniques of manipulation and and frankly brainwashing um which which are well established and there's there's so much evidence that these things are thought through and intentional um and that they they're used just over and over again there are sort of countless examples of them um so just uh, another sort of slightly humorous story or a, a sort of weird climate story uh, which i just wanted to discuss before we get into something you know more serious is this this weird climate choir that was at bristol cathedral did 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 either of you you see this um now i honestly i don't because i've been moving i haven't been really able to follow this but all I all I've seen is this tweet uh, from Climate Choir saying Bristol Climate Choir joins Exile, which is Extinction Rebellion, at Bristol Cathedral today for Luke Jerram's Oil Foundation event. And what I can see, I won't share the video because I'm, I'm a bit wary of my new internet setup. Um, we've already had a couple of problems recording already, so I might just play some of the audio. But what I can see is a bunch of people. They're doing a they're doing a procession, and at the front, there's a bunch of people dressed in these kind of weird red they're sort of full length body dresses with headdresses kind of look like sort of paper paper mache and then the the, the people are, the people have got painted faces the the faces are white so red red sort of blood red clothes white faces and sort of black mascara and red lipstick it looks it kind of looks like blood it looks like they're sort of bleeding um and they're going around and they're they're doing they're doing this Got the hands out as well. Now there are people dressed in Extinction Rebellion t-shirts going around. You might be able to you can probably hear the lyrics a bit better in this next. I won't let the the trees green and tall. I won't let them be cut down for profit. I won't watch them fall. So you kind of get the idea of what's going on. What did do either of you know anything about this story? I, I just I've literally just seen this tweet. I, I believe it's not a it's it wasn't a liturgical event per se, but a, a kind of art installation type thing. Right. I might be wrong there. Um, you know, it's not like it's something that's interrupted even song. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I wouldn't it's, very, it's very of the type, isn't it, for Brist, for sort of the way that a lot of Bristol culture is 
uh, is going and heading. And it seems like that particular cathedral has a, a panache for promoting um, these sort of uh, progressive woke uh, causes and using those all those sort of tropes. I mean, I, I thought what struck me is if you look at the wider congregation in inverted commas around that, um, you know, this is this is not an enormous amount of people, um, and um, it, it does look a bit like a Lib Dem conference. <laughs> With some weird, weird, weird red, blood red. Yeah, with, uh, with, quite, with Emperor Palpatine's scoring guard. It's quite normal for uh, liberal Democrat conferences. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it's, uh, cathedrals seem to have this um, incredible ability to uh, to not think things through. I mean, I, or actually, I suspect actually it's been thought through far too much. Basically, they attract a kind of secular mind view for some reason in in the most beautiful and sacred of spaces um and i mean at least this wasn't in a cathedral in, in an even song i mean I, I i was shocked to discover that my the cathedral of chichester's has a lgbt pride even song coming up and you think well you know um it's just it's just you know that's not their job is it it's not it's not the cathedral's job to to, to do that because it's just going to ostracize i'm going to send the dean a letter at some I, point. I i hope they've um, included the two spirit people i'm sure they yeah. did well it was all the pluses it was lgbtqi plus so you know everyone mm -hmm. um everyone uh who possibly identifies under that umbrella um so i'm sure all of the sado massages are really pleased that they had a had their own even song at Chichester uh, Cathedral, and it just it just irritates you because it's it's there as a you know it's a it's a place of worship, isn't it? And it's just mm. been desecrated by by secularism, mm. um, and um, and and even though that was, you know, do we want the banner above all our cathedrals? We welcome everybody as long as you gift aid. Well, uh, and even the even it's a sort of, sort of purported art installation with the chanting as a sort of pseudo religiousness and a, and a pseudo liturgy around it. Mm. Um, it's it's pretty dreadful, isn't it? Uh, the, the images are awful. These these people who are dressed up, I mean, it looks looks kind of satanic, to be honest with you. It looks like something out of the Satanism. Um, uh, what what uh, is the, the Satanism gathering that we, we covered a few weeks ago? I couldn't think of what to call it. I'm not sure what happened. What is it when Satanists get together? Is it like a, it's not a service, is it? Coven, surely. A coven. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminded me of that, that Satanistic coven that was covered uh, so positively by the BBC um, in our episode. They've, they've been up to it again. I don't know if you saw on uh, I saw on um, a news article of the BBC promoting witchhood or witch uh, of sort of pagan spells as, as part of well-being. Um, right. Okay. But, you know. I'm not, you sort of don't blink an eyelid these days, do you? Oh, it's just part of the course. I think, I, I think what I particularly find growth. despairing is the idea that there is someone, say, in the cathedral establishment, as in much the machinery of the uh, Church of England, who thinks, oh, this is going to really attract and be magnetic to you know all those people that don't come to church. That We're doing this... Um, in a sense, as a marketing ploy, uh, as a way to um, kind of get down with the get down with the activists, that uh, uh, this is going to make us look more youthful and trendy and and what have you, and, and in fact, it does completely yep. the opposite. I don't think anyone gives a damn really what they might about what the church believes about the climate. To be honest, um, 
certainly like these these sort of churches that have fully embraced a sort of climate activism uh don't seem to be you know filling their no. pews with climate activists it's just they, they just seem to be the same sort of congregation they had before but just a little bit um maybe a little bit less devotional a little bit less um uh, sort of focused on on god um mm. yeah it'll be honestly about 2030 earnest people um you know of retired age and one or two students um who 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 have dragged themselves to church um whereas the rest have probably thought that the church is you know so heteronormative patriarchal and awful that it's a toxic brand yeah um while putting off that you know the people who listen to this show um who no doubt love to go to um cathedral services or go to their cathedral to pray um but uh, uh actually in large numbers repelled by this mm, yeah but I mean, you know try and try you try there's a, there's a certain kind of apparatchik in the church who just doesn't want to know this didn't you and, have and a- you could you could depressingly you could sit them down and show them all the stats um and so they do you re- do you appreciate how this is a real turn off and um they're, they're just you know write you off as alt-right or something mm. yeah tom what were you gonna say sorry i don't know i heard didn't i hear something about you having a bit of a um a what to with the bristol presenter or something daniel um, yeah, i think it was the canon missioner really and just comment about petroleum and you know the usual stuff um that if, if i've if i've read this right and to be honest, I'm trying to blank it out of my brain at the moment. But um, it, was on, it was on Twitter, wasn't it, Daniel? Just to yeah, that, that he 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 was saying that he would not platform anybody who had alternate views to his own uh, on climate alarmism. You know, that they they were that there were these binaries that you were either for his view or you were a complete, utter denier, despicable, deplorable so and so, and there should be no room for yeah. any contradiction uh and um yeah i've got it here daniel i'll read it out shall i mm. um why do news programs even put on climate deniers at the recent climate panel at bristol cathedral accompanying luke jerram's oil foundation i refuse to invite climate change deniers on as they are anti-science anti-fact propagandists who distract from taking real action so that's what he said so uh, it's, it was, it's, it's Michael Crichton, isn't it? The um, the 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 author of um, uh, Jurassic sort of Jurassic Park and various other sort of science, sort of soft science fictiony kind of historical novels. Um, they're quite fun. Uh, who who said that when a science, when this sort of language is used around science, is no longer science. It's not. It's not. You know, it's mm-hmm. him who's desecrating the idea of asking questions. Now, I mean, um, uh, the uh, and and. It, and you end up with this sort of group thing that's led us where we are, where where the sort of idea that um, of alarmism is the 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 idea of the alarmism is the predominant view of scientists, which which it isn't. It's it's not. It's actually it's a contested territory. Um, uh, and uh, to be honest, I mean that's where I'm quite happiest to, to sort of to to, to fight to fight fight this slightly rearguard action on on the climate is that you know um yes it changes climate has always changed but do we need to be alarmed by this and do we need to uproot the entirety of western uh economic economics and and uh um and destroy what we've built uh in order to um 
survive something can, uh, that, mm. that's 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 not agreed on you know yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's become apparent in the last few years that there's a, there's a whole swathe of people who'd co- rather like from their comfortable ivory towers to socially re-engineer the world uh and um uh, you know and, and the rest of us are um, are collateral damage to that yeah i mean you tried to make that point to him didn't you and then he replied uh, in a very passive aggressive way no brother because as christians we would advocate a societal wide approach based on the values of the beatitudes the magnificat and god's kingdom rather than the values of the marketplace jesus threw out of his father's house but you are a priest so you get that right daniel you're a priest so you must get what he's saying because that is the truth as far as christianity is concerned so mm. you either get that because you're a priest or you're you're sincerely uh, or severely i should say uh, deluded and and mistaken uh, i just i just read that and i thought i just can't be bothered with this it's just it's just such a load of Low resolution uh, pseudo theological nonsense. I mean, it, it's that, word that, salad, isn't it? I mean, what no. does it mean? A societal wide approach. So you basically said to him, uh, "What? What if it? What if it? Um, what if these policies damage people because they, for example, take away their their ability to heat their homes in the winter?" And rather than actually answering a question, he's written, "We would advocate. We would advocate. We would advocate. A very royal we. A societal wide approach." So he's. So what does that? What does that, that, that mean? Uh, and, that, and that is based on the values of the Beatitudes, the Magnificat, and God's Kingdom. They're quite broad, isn't it? That's quite a broad kind of spectrum. Of, it's, not, it's not an answer, is yeah, it? I mean, and passages from Scripture. He's decided to back up his his eco uh, advocacy. It's, oh, I suddenly feel threatened by and then, Vicar. Uh, yeah, and then and then <laughs> there's this thing about uh, you know Jesus turning over the tables, being a kind of. Um, you know, a sort of assault on the on the values of the marketplace, which is just it's just clearly nonsense. It is nothing to do with why Jesus turned over the tables. It's because the 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 house of God was being used for an inappropriate purpose, which you could say is more relevant to what he's Funny doing. That. And oh, but they, but they, the values just, of the marketplace, just, sorry, just one further point, Tom. The values of the marketplace, uh, may, many people will say, are derived from the Mosaic law anyway. So, you know, the, the idea of having a, a, a free market with, with fair measures and all this kind of stuff uh, actually comes from our Judeo-Christian heritage. So this tweet is a load of nonsense. I mean, it sounds it sounds kind of you know superficially impressive, but it's absolute nonsense. Sorry, Tom, carry on. I was going to say that they do tend to rather entirely pick and choose uh, and and proof text dreadfully. Um, the sort of climate theologians that I come across. I remember one that we were made to go on a climate weekend uh, with my um, in my curacy. Uh, we went to Hillfield where the Franciscans. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, have a have a have a base, and uh, I remember the sort of um, the person who was responsible for climate. It, um, we had someone from La Rocha who who do a lot of work on in the climate stuff. No, not not La Rocha, La Rocha. I don't know La Rocha. I don't know. There's some sort of Christian charity that they don't make chocolates. I, was, they, I was thinking of Lindor. Sorry, uh, they they so they heck they hector churches Lindor. and they got a gold scheme. You go, Are you a gold church, Jamie? Uh, you have to find out about these things. Oh, no. um, bronze. Who knows? Um, the um, Anyway, the point is that they're sort of talking about theology, which is a great thing to do, and um, and sort of pointing to Romans eight and the world groaning and saying, "Well, this is this is climate change." I said, "No, it's not. 
It's, it's not. That's, that's quite clearly Paul's talking in the narrative of a new creation. I mean, it's quite clearly the whole of Romans is a sort of commentary on Genesis. And, uh, and, and to take that and take that idea that the world is groaning because of climate change and needs release through human activities to completely misread Romans to the point of making it incoherent. Uh, and it's, at about, which point, it's about the fall, isn't it, Romans? Romans 8. It's about God's, it's God's subjecting yeah. to the world to futility. Yeah. And that's clearly talking about the sin of Adam. It's got nothing well, to do with climate yeah. change. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's what I say. Romans is a sort of, I mean, you could read it in some ways as, as a commentary on Genesis. Um, and um, uh, and it's, it's not about climate change. Let's just say it. Paul did not, was not writing about climate change. You, it's taking a sort of um, apocalyptic and eschatological passages and it's just, just, just applying them blankly to, um, to whatever you like is, is, is a bad it's 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 terrible isn't it this is, this is a this is a kind of christian version of the sort of manipulation we were talking about earlier when people we we've covered this quite a lot on the show haven't we when we've had uh the archbishop of canterbury doing that i think it was in the passage in was it in two peter uh two peter three the bit about you know yes. the, the world being destroyed and all this kind of stuff um when people use scripture in this way it's um it's 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 not it's disingenuous you know it's you you proof texting scripture in order to to bolster some kind of political point and people shouldn't do that you read the text to understand what the text says and then you can apply it you don't you know you're getting it completely the wrong way around when you do it like that but that's well, the, that, that's that distinction between deduction and induction is, is largely lost isn't it and i think when you have more authoritarian uh schemes going around uh, <sighs> This is this is what this is what happens. Jordan Peterson just did a, a podcast with an academic who um, decided some years ago to make up papers of um, you know woke word salad and oh. see how outrageous was that. Peter Bogosian, yeah, and it was hilarious to listen to. And they put them forward, and you know, um, after a while, he began too. to realise exactly what kind of um, structure and. Uh, and text mm. would get a publication, uh, and he now reckons he could. He has a hundred percent success in putting these out. So, I, on the back of that, I tried to do some um, chat GBT um, fake papers on you know anything, any any old drivel. Um, I think I got one on the hermeneutic of tea cozies as part of a sort of uh, <laughs> as as part of a. a, a transsexual narrative uh and another one on the um the, the positioning on pews as as a um uh, as a sort of gender patriarchy in the yeah. church of england as, as a phd proposal and you know what I bet that would get you get that this, this probably been written yeah this crack <laughs> came up on the screen i thought flip an egg this is the sort of nonsense that don't, don't tell that like the people uh, are, you know if you go onto a university um, website and look up say on a, on yeah. a theology department and just look up at what people are actually proposing for doctoral thesis. It, it doesn't sound that different, sadly. Well, those, you know, tea cozies are quite normative. There was that wonderful one they made you attend at Cuddleston, isn't there, Jamie? It's something about you know reducing the binaries or, or, or uh, um, the binaries between. Um, oh, what was it? Um, it was something about um, shattering the binary between motherhood and non-motherhood <laughs> no 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 wait, wait no, it was disrupting the binary between motherhood and non-motherhood um and uh surely, surely you're either mother or you're not i mean it's um, kind of hard to imagine but there are people working on this sort of stuff already so you know i'm basically what you're telling me there daniel is that chat gpt is about to put 
most liberal theological faculties out of business because um, it, it could produce the same sort of word salad. I bet you, I bet it could. All, all bet humanities, it. <laughs> all humanities. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So, Daniel, are you going to are you going to submit any of these proposals? Well, you should. Yeah, I should do, shouldn't I? Yeah. You see, all you need to do is go and check the references. So you need to, because oh. they tend to make up references, doesn't it, um, Chapter as I understand it. So you make plausible sounding references. Yeah. Uh, if you replace those with actual books, you'll, you'll get it through. So what was it, the <laughs> post-colonial patriarchal? Oh, so I'm just looking it up. Bear me a sec. Pews. Um, <laughs> uh, Pews, Pews as, it, a, as a, go on. Yeah, there was one the uh, the intersectional dialectic of the tea cozy. Unveiling. <laughs> <laughs> I read this. <laughs> Unveiling heteronormative appropriate agnostic <laughs> mythological and critical theoretical lens. <laughs> it's there. It's there. I bet it's already. I mean, do you think that I, hey, as we as we speak? I'm smelling a first. As we speak, Church of England primary schools are encouraging their, their children to take up the, uh, the the identity of a tea cosy Daniel. So yeah, no yeah and doubt, the other yeah. one was a doctoral research proposing uh, the intricate discourse surrounding the place of pews as a form of discriminative seating in Anglican churches, while adopting a critical theory approach enriched by the transgender reading. Mm. That's 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 a good one as well, actually. I yeah. mean, it sounds so interesting, Daniel. I just I want, <laughs> I want to hear. I want to read it. Yeah, yeah. I want to do one on hassocks. I think combine it all together. Post-colonial <laughs> positioning of hassocks. I don't know. Yeah. Post-colonial shape of hassocks. Why rectangles <laughs> must go. Um, yeah. Disrupt- someone disrupting- he, he'd said that um, this academic that Jordan Peterson was talking to had said that they'd done one on or seen one on um, satellite uh, s- satellite mapping uh, as a form of um, uh, violence towards Gaia because right. it was it was a sort of she was being revealed in a way that she's not meant to be revealed ah. from a distance and this was a form of patriarchy it was a form of penetration where these satellites were taking pictures of the earth in her nakedness yeah and penetrating it yeah penetrating it with its yeah i see that can you believe someone actually gets a grant for that it's amazing i, I can believe it i can um, um sorry tom come we're in the wrong we're in the wrong business really aren't we we should just mm. all take up new identities as liberal theologians and get grant money for writing nonsense um, yeah, yeah. You could, um, you could, you could, rather than actually, you know, striving for truth or justice or anything like that. Um, <laughs> or just, just striving to live in the real world. I think that's. Uh, I've heard uh, Toby Young is his phrase, which I, I think is quite good. He, he, I've heard him use it a few times recently. The reality-based community. I think that's quite, um, that's quite a good phrase. <laughs> is yeah. uh, is James Denningpole a part of that or not? No, but, well, Toby Young would say no, but James, <laughs> James would obviously apply the same critique to toby so um, you know that's up to that's up to the listeners of london calling to decide isn't it and yeah, while we're talking about this kind of nonsense shall we shall we actually talk about this um uh, we, we, there are some very serious stories to talk about later but seeing as we're talking about this kind of thing should we talk about this thing in uh this uh school in in rye college which mm. is at least um associated with with the church wing I, tom you were saying you're not sure it's actually a, a church wing school i think it's very complicated i think it's a non-church wing school that has ended up uh subsumed into a academy trust that's run by the church of england but i I don't know how possible that is or why that would happen or 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 who let that happen because it sounds like a ridiculous thing to have happen um 
but it's not. It's Rye is. Um, is it is Rye Canterbury? I think it is. Um, not sure. Which mm. Is it Canterbury? It's, mm, it's just across the. It's just across the border from us it's in East Sussex, where we're just. Oh. Um, Tom, do you remember what I said? The name of the trusters. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Got, yeah, I've got it here. Let me let me read let me read this out. Um, so the the headline is people who question classmate identifying as a cat called despicable by teacher. So it says here a Church of England school teacher told a pupil she was despicable after she refused to accept that her classmate identifies as a cat. The 13 year old girl and her friend were reprimanded by their teacher at Rye College in East Sussex uh, on Friday at the end of a year eight class on life education in which they were told they can be who you want to be and identify how. I'm sorry, and how you identify is up to you. The row, which is infuriating, <laughs> Daniel's turned into a dog on our... How did he do that? That's oh, because impressive. he's becoming a dog. Okay. The row, which has infuriated parents, was allegedly sparked by one of them asking a fellow pupil, how can you identify as a cat when you're a girl? Their teacher told them they were being reported to a senior leader and were no longer welcome at the school, part of the Aquinas Trust, a church of England network of 11 schools, if they continued to express the view that only boys and girls exist. So that's what to- uh, Daniel was talking about earlier. They're, they're part of the Aquinas Trust, obviously named after the great uh, scholastic theolo- the- theologian and hyper-rationalist uh, Thomas Aquinas. So um, a, a highly ironic uh, name. Uh, given given what transpired and you know what the best thing about it is we have an audio recording of the whole exchange because some clever pupil uh recorded it mm. and put it on tiktok show double gold star uh, absolutely a plus if they still have those should we have a listen um again let's uh let's uh call this twits on twitter for this week because i think it can't be anything else um just interrupt if you want me to stop and we can make some comments here we go if you have a vagina you're a girl and you have a penis you're a boy yeah but cisgender is not necessarily the way to be you are talking about the fact that cisgender is the the norm that you identify with the gender that of the sexual organs that you're born with or you're with that's basically what you're saying yeah which is really despicable yeah, normally. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Oh, yeah, but that's despicable. Yeah. How how, how can you? Yeah, you're just you're just despicable for for, for being. I'm not even going to say it. I refuse to say the word. You're despicable for being al- aligning your aligning your um uh your your identity with your actual organs. No, but it despicable. wasn't that. As they were saying that that's just the way it is. You know, they said if you have a willy or a boy, and if you have a vagina or a girl, who would say something like that, Jamie? That's despicable. <laughs> despicable. Right? That is outrageous. Outrageous uh, opinion to have. How? When it's if I called my mum right now, my mum would be sad. Be on my side. If I called my mum, she'd say, "Well, that's very sad." Yeah, yeah. So my mum would agree that that's very. She then the teacher says, "Well, that's very sad." Just to say, I've listened to this before. The, the the school children do really, really well. They're really, really good standing up. Says that's the one small slip they say. They say, they say there's a small majority of people who think that. I think they mean it's a minority minority people. So it's a bit of a slip, but they're under a lot of pressure. So I think we can allow them that. I think that's the one misstep in this whole this whole uh, exchange. We have so many problems in the world with homophobia. Yeah, but it, Hang on a second, stop there, Jeremy. Because because homophobia is not the same as as I mean, the, the teachers presumably accusing them of transphobia. Uh, what's, uh, but, the, what's the link between denying that boys are born with willies and girls are born with vaginas and homophobia? Do you think what's in her mind is it just all part of the same kind of non traditional sexuality spectrum or something? You've broken I mean, you've broken my orthodoxy is what she's saying. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a strange thing to accuse them of, isn't it? Because you, mm-hmm. as you're saying, Tom, like the natural thing would to be to accuse them of transphobia and say, well, how, don't you, you know, don't you care about the way that you hate, you hate trans people? Yeah. But of course, that's a, I mean, it's, it's not what they're saying, is it? No, yeah, my, my um, I, I listened to this this morning with my Czech friend uh, who grew up in the Soviet regime, and he said, "This is what's <laughs> this is what schools like." Really? Yeah, what? he said it. It, it oh, gave him the shivers. This is this is just what, what it was like right with different different issues yeah right? you know, how- yeah different issues but you know it was the saying that you're deplorable that you should go to another school and that your parents are awful yeah now that's very that's very insidious isn't it saying mm. that about their mother your mother it's very sad that your mother would say this that complete total um lack of respect for the parent-child relationship in that you know really undermining the authority of the parent saying such a thing to to the children at school i never i've never heard any um teacher say that you know my whole time at school i never never heard a teacher say well your parents are wrong or something like that it's it's totally unprofessional isn't it it's, it's improper isn't it because the parents in the end are the ones who, who who you know the parents have primary responsibility for bringing up a child and, and teachers should should be aiding that yeah but but i think that's what we're seeing isn't it we're seeing schools and the education system um arrogate that responsibility to themselves and undermine the parents and i think that is something that you're rightly saying was characteristic of the the soviet era you know in communist russia and eastern bloc countries and in other totalitarian systems as well it becomes it becomes about the state indoctrinating children and um and really removing the authority and responsibility of the parents chaps did you is it in the um, i know it's in the roman rite for baptisms where um, I just can't remember if it's in common worship, uh, where it says that parents are the primary mm. educators of their children. Yeah, uh, your yeah, primary responsibility. It's in um, it's in the sort of uh, post baptism um, mm. spiel that you're supposed to give them, but no one does. I do. I think what I, I like about the Roman rite in its um, baptismal liturgy is it has that right at the beginning, and um, uh, it, it's a good one to have stated. And, and I always thought it was a powerful point that is made when parents present a child for um, the font that, mm. you know, you say that you're, uh, you are the, you have that primary responsibility. I've often heard it said by um, those who are very enthusiastic about the teaching trade, you know, oh, we are the educators. You say, well, no, we, we're delegating some of that education to you, you know, hopefully mostly on an academic basis. But um, we as parents are the primary educators of our children. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I find that extraordinary in a potentially Church of England school that um, that would be at the forefront really, of any approach to teaching you know, and, and would certainly preclude slagging off a parent for saying a fairly normal opinion yeah Uh, yeah, there's there's that distinction that you've implied there daniel between the academic and the kind of moral and let's say Mm. spiritual or religious that that distinction is being broken down isn't it when whereby now i mean this class was called life education i mean we did have that sort of thing when i was younger you know like the pshe lessons and all that kind of stuff whereas most people would would want to maintain a distinction between the academic instruction of children and their kind of moral um moral instruction and and yeah maybe schools have always done 
a bit of that, but it seems to be that the schools are sort of increasingly wanting to to see that as exclusively mm. their domain and to remove that entirely from the parents and the the family and the home situation. I think that's the kind of insidious thing about it, isn't it? Um, should we listen to a bit more? We're, mm. We've got a, we've got a bit more a bit more to listen to. Agenda. Yes. I'm fine with lesbians and gay people. Same. I've got nothing against them. Yeah, same. But gender is there is a link between it, and you're How? saying that people can't change. They just said they're fine with gay people. There's nothing. There's no no problem as far as they're concerned. Then she's she's saying, well, there's a link between you know believing in biological sex and and homophobia. They can't, unless you You're get a so penis wrong. attached. No, I'm not. You're confusing sex and gender. No, I'm not though, because if yes, you have you a are. vagina, you're a girl. If you have a penis, you're a woman. Yeah. You can't. Just, just to go, they're, they're, they're doing the right thing, which is repeat in a debate, like repeating the point over and over again until it's adequately addressed. Um, if you have a penis, you're a boy. If you have a vagina, you're a girl. Um, but she did say you saw the kind of link there, didn't she? Because she was saying the link between your view and being homophobic is that people can't be whoever they want to be. So I think that's the that's the link that she's drawing. Um, so let's continue. You, you can't have a vagina, be a girl. But then you know, unless you get surgery. Even then, because you've got those genes. how you identity. Oh, how you identify. Yeah, it's, it's not an opinion that yes, we're expressing this yes, school. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And if you don't like it, you need to go to a different school. Right, okay. Well, that's outrageous, isn't it? That's That's gone from being just simply... Uh, you know, a reprimand to being, a, a, you know, end, end of career as a teacher there. Exactly. You, you just, um, she's just denied their right to um, express an opinion, which is actually protected by law. Um, and um, and uh, and to tell them to go to a different school is is just outrageous. And she's not, she's not a sort of head teacher or anything, is she? I mean, not that it would be all right if she were, but, you know, she doesn't really have the authority, presumably, to tell them, to expel them, you know. And their viewpoint. This is not an opinion. The opinion, the opinion, by the way, um, you know, that well, the thing that this all stemmed from is them saying that the classmate can't be a cat. You know, it's and we've got we've got another just extraordinary article which we're going to look at in a moment, but this is what sparked all this off. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I'm reporting you to Miss Willis. You need to have a proper educational conversation. Oh, hello, it's, it's like the commissars. Yeah. Yeah. A deprogramming session. Deprogramming session, yeah. Rock like orange. Going to send you to uh, to the Gulag Archipelago, you know, to be uh, to to think mm. for the next fifty years of your sins. Yeah. Ministry of love. Is it Ministry of love that? I mean, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we need to to think about the the bravery and the courage of these children. Yeah, yeah. Mm, absolutely, they're great. Uh, and um, and their intelligence as well. You just think on their their intelligence, bravery. It's really um, hard to do that in front of a teacher who, yeah. you know, just say, and she, yeah. she's so dismissive of them as well. And um, it makes me think of, do you know what, do you know what makes me think uh, of a contrast is actually our, our friend uh, Bernard Randall and how he addressed this, you know, question of, you know, how can you, and, and the grace which we approached it. He said, you know, you can, you're free to believe that if you wish, you're free not to believe it if you wish. Of course, he got fired, uh, accused of being a safeguarding mm-hmm. risk. Uh, he's he's unable to minister, um, and uh, has been uh, you know terribly supported. You can bet this will not happen to this teacher. Mm. You know. Yeah, no, she'll she'll get away with it. Um, a little bit more about edu- about equality, diversity, and inclusion. Because I'm not having that. that expressed in my lesson when I'm teaching you about 
You can be who you want to be. How you identify is up to so you. So when you it, they just don't say it because then all yeah. this happens. Maybe because they're polite and maybe they're sensitive. I've never, I haven't said anything. Maybe it's because they're intimidated and because she creates an intellectually um, stultifying act, uh, atmosphere in her in her classrooms, redolent mm. of uh, you know Soviet um, Russia. It might be something mm. to do with that. Maybe maybe it's appalling. In all of the lessons I've been in, it's just because they turn around and start saying something. So I said, "How can you identify as a cat when you're a girl?" Oh, well, yeah. they're now writing a statement. I would imagine oh. that you'll be asked to write a statement as well. We will. Yeah, we will. My mum will be coming. Oh, they sound like really good kids, don't they? Listen, listen to this last part. This is funny. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? She said, I got it on. Yeah, I'd write. Yeah. And then, the, and then the other one said, "I'm just not going to go to life, whatever it was. What was it called? Life. Um, I've lost the page. Life, yeah, life crap. Life, um, life crap. <laughs> life education. I think it's called. Yeah. What? what we we need some philanthropists to buy them a, a ticket to Disneyland each. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, life. Uh, they, they should get gold, Duke of Edinburgh, instantly. Yeah, life education. They they sound like really good kids, and they she said, "Well, you'll have to write a statement." They said, "Well, we will," and it's like, "We'll tell our mom. We'll tell our moms about this because you know, I'll we, be fine with it. Yeah. They've got nothing to hide. I mean, it's so ridiculous." Um, can I just read you some of this? So uh, uh, there are a number of articles about this that I've seen. Um, this is on the Telegraph. So this says, "School that allowed child to identify as cat faces government investigation." Um, it says school at the centre of a row over children identifying as animals is facing a government ex- investigation. Teacher at Rye College uh, was recorded telling pupil, blah, 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 we just heard that. Um, Gillian Keegan, who's the education secretary, is understood to have ordered an investigation into the CBS school. The Telegraph has revealed that other, at other schools, teachers are allowing children to identify as horses, dinosaurs and even moons. Apparently, uh, a source close to Mrs. Keegan said teachers should not be teaching contested ideologies. Fact, they must have due regard to safeguarding if a pupil identifies as an animal um, and they're, they're going to have an investigation. There was a really um, funny bit from Rishi Sunak's spokesman. Oh, yeah. On Tuesday, a spokesman for Rishi Sunak said children should not be taught contested opinions. Of fact, well, that's what we've already heard. He said uh, it's important parents and carers are reassured that children aren't being influenced by personal views of those teaching them. Any example that strays from this would be wrong, and we would expect uh, head teachers to act. Nadim Sahawi said, oh, that's not a very good quote, actually. Um, Nadim Sahawi said, it is clear, who is the former education secretary, by the way, it is clear to everyone that schools need to spread, stop the spread of this damaging nonsense. The government should make it clear to schools that they will be supported in standing up to the increasingly farcical examples that get in the way of teaching our children and preparing them for the real world. Um Pretty Patel said we need a bit of take back control for parents, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, were, I, I thought there was a funnier part of this, but I, I, well, I mean, there's there's this uh, the, the ridiculous thing, you know, OK, one child is being allowed to identify as a cat, in a, which is absurd enough. Apparently, in another school, another child is being allowed to identify as the moon. Yeah, uh, with a, the moon. Uh, wears a cape. Yeah, a, a moon, a moon, I think. I don't know if it's the a moon. moon. It's a moon. So they're orbiting yeah. something. When, when do you think about it? It's quite sort of colonial isn't it of our moon to be called the moon when there are loads of moon well, there, there we have i mean strictly speaking we have multiple moons ourselves anything that's in orbit but um 
Uh, yeah, I mean, someone identifying as a moon and being being allowed to. I mean, what? They're, what? they're referred to as furries, apparently. People so these are people who pretend they're animals. Yeah. Yeah, children who self-identify as animals. Well, I, th- I think I think furries usually has a sort of slightly grim sort of mm-hmm. sexual element to it as well. I don't know whether that's happening, but um, they sort of dress up as um, they go to conferences dressed up as animals. But um, yeah. uh, uh, the um, <laughs> they, they meow rather than answer a question in English. Yeah. An anonymous student says it's distracting us in the lesson. I'm not surprised. Uh, you, you can imagine some kids as well thinking, "Hey, let's have a laugh." Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is one of the comments I see quite regularly about this. Oh, Tom, under- Tom, I found it. The child yeah, in not- question does not identify as the moon, but as a moon, and said they could put curses on people. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are just. If, if you don't think I'm the moon, I'm going to curse you. Um, it's a sort of hyper individualism, isn't it? That's uh, I. I mm. am whatever I am in my head yeah uh and cyberspace uh extenuates that even further so you know i can be i am my own metaverse uh, but it's but it's is it or is it just a it's a consequence of um of a loss of childhood isn't it it's, I, I think you've um lost icons by rowan winners which is one mm. of the last sensible books he wrote and um uh, and his, his his incredibly moving chapter on on childhood, where he points out that we're losing the ability to 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 let our children exist in make believe. Uh, and what I mean, one of the effects of this is surely for them to stop understanding when they're in because because we're, we're we're taking you know a child pretends they're a, 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 a you know a boy pretends they're a girl oh they're a girl then and 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 that's going to confuse them isn't it it's going to make them think oh well if I believe something to be true or make believe then then it's true and it's just going to cause all sorts of chaos as they get older. And this is what we're seeing people who literally cannot distinguish between make-believe and reality. Um, yeah. it's, it's psychologically damaging. And there's a, a few people have pointed <clears throat> this out, you know, the schools that are allowing this to happen are actually causing serious psychological Im- uh, problems to the children. I, it's safeguarding. I can't say I'm particularly impressed by, um, you know, conservative ministers coming to the airways, clutching pearls and, Saying they're going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you've had thirteen years. Yeah. Well, you can how say how that. is it that in a conservative government we've got to this position? Yeah. That, uh, I, I find that extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, they've never been conservative. Um, I, th- I think the the central kind of epistemological um, um, observation for me is that when you, and in a sense, the teacher is following a logical pattern, isn't she? Because she's saying, well, if we allow people to identify as their preferred gender then of course it makes sense to allow people to identify as their preferred species so you know you can't draw a line you can't draw a line there arbitrarily you have to say people can be whatever they want to be so i think that this is you know we we talked about romans one a few weeks ago didn't we and i think it is more of the same kind of thing it's like well people are just being given over to the the immorality and irrationality and the delusion the powerful delusion that they've fallen under. And this is just, a con- I mean, it's its funny. I, I find it funny, obviously, reading this ridiculous stuff. But really, uh, Tory government has nothing to say about this because it's the Tory government is not rooted in any kind of reality. It's not rooted in a, in a theological or spiritual or anthropological reality so it can't it can't say anything if you're gonna if you're gonna say that people can can seriously say that they're a different gender to their biological sex which has no basis in 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 factual reality uh then why can't people be cats and moons and these kids are doing a fantastic job of of bringing out that contradiction and and absolutely trolling this nonsense yeah well i mean i 
some of them no doubt are, but I think some of them probably are very ill. Well, well, or being, allow- being allowed to yeah, become very ill. Even worse, um, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. that's, if that's really, if these, if these kids really do think they're cats. Um, I mean, it, it's like that guy, that Canadian school teacher who, who came to, to school with those enormous fake breasts. Do you remember? And it, he said he was a woman. I mean, it was, it was, you know, and then it came out later that he was trolling them. But anyone could, I, I was thinking that I could, I could do this. People would have to take you seriously. There'd be no, there'd be no choice. Even if you, you would, before out, you knew it, Jamie, you'd be an archdeacon. You'd come out as whatever you like. Oh, I definitely won't do that. I definitely <laughs> won't. Do that. Well, they have, they've got our first ever transgender archdeacon in the Church of England, haven't we? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Rachel Mann. Rachel, yes. Yeah, somewhat ironic surname isn't it really um did you see the prayers that um oh yeah they had written and poet prayers poems and things that they'd published shall i shall i get it up um it was wasn't it some kind of um was it like um something to do with some it was something in a liturgical mm. setting wasn't it i can't remember what it was precisely. There, there, there's one which seems to imply that the virgin mary was right was um uh, uh you know sort of annoyed or had second thoughts about uh receiving the holy spirit you know really yeah what was it there was a there was a one which started like described god as a chuckling woman mm. do you remember mm, i'm trying to find it i didn't actually um i didn't actually make a note of it but it, it'd be quite interesting for people no i can't find it now i always I had an argument with this man uh on uh, a thing about about this because i pointed out um, and I still point out as po- much as possible that the the sort of if they're if they're saying that there's distinctive difference in souls between male and female, uh, that that you can you can be the wrong soul or the wrong spirit in the body, then they're denying uh, the universality of Christ on the cross, um, because the whole point is that he he's a male, but that his spirit is human, he's a, sp- a fully human, and that we all share in that in that spirit. He doesn't save cats on the cross because he's not a cat in any way but he does save all of humanity because he's both you know because the the soul is andronogous it doesn't doesn't have doesn't express a sex well you can um, soul the soul encompasses both both sexes um yeah. Tom, but not that i want to get sidetracked but this is a reason you should be a philosophical realist and and not a nominalist by the way but i'll just i'll leave that comment there um i found it i found the prayer go on. Yeah. Um, i was looking for it too i couldn't i've got it, it. go on Holy, so this is penned by the new... Arch- Fire away. Oh, sorry, that's probably a patriarchal statement. Start, begin. Uh, holy God, chuckling wise woman, tender and strange, we bless you. Bless us, trouble us, bewitch us into the light in your love, mercy and grace. Christ, our sister, unite us in your holy bleeding. As you took spit and dust for healing, take our hands, cracked and huge as washerwomen's for God's work. Take our sacred bodies for the healing of the world. Birth spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, presumably, birth spirit, as you coursed in intimacy through the veins of Eve and Adam, Hagar and Abraham, Deborah and Lapidoth, Naomi and Ruth, be the pulse of our lives, desire us with your desire. It's all very kind of sexual and, and menstrual, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's anyway, it's, 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 it's kind of, of weird off. putting Naomi and Ruth as a. I mean, yes, they were mother and sister-in-law, but they they weren't they were they weren't lesbian lovers or or or, or yeah, in any that, sense married. What, I mean, that was sort of being implied, though. Do you think? Yeah, it, it's, it's the sort of the um, Californian bush therapy that you imagine Prince Harry going to, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Someone some sort of Barbara Streisand figure floating around saying this. Uh, yeah. 
you know, washing her auras over him as he pays a thousand pounds an hour to be cleansed. Um, Christ, our sister, unite Christ us. Our sister. Your, I mean, I, I look. I can understand like people trying to, you know, say that God is not a man and that you can. I mean, you can't. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, saying Christ, our sister. I mean, what exactly? But it's, 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 I mean, it's exactly what, um, you know, again, this is sort of slightly inoculation presented by coming to Cudston. Uh, people don't realise that this is just what liberal theologians have been doing uh, for for months, for years. Do you remember Christa? No. Jamie, do you don't remember Christa where they, where they, where they, they got a sex Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, it, I, called I it Christa. Know, and, I don't and think put, I was No, I, well, I, I avoided it, but I put it on a cross uh, in our chapel. Mm. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this kind of thing is not that rare in the... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not... Um, Sorry, Daniel. I, I'm not, so they, they put a sex doll yeah, on a, a cross... I mean, Christa. Fair, I mean, to be fair, Tom, it wasn't performing a sex act. Just, just, just that. And I, I'm not, I'm not making an apology for it. I mean, the, the point I was making is that Christ. Um, I mean, did a member of staff come back and say, oh, "I'll take it back now"? No, they probably gave them high marks for creativity, Daniel. Um, <laughs> they said, "Send this person to a parish right now." <laughs> yeah, send them to a uh, Oxford College to be a chaplain. Yes, that's what they needs, should do. With them. The world needs this <laughs> ministry immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my point has been somewhat um, somewhat lost, but the point I'm making is that Christ can't, surely Christ can't be a sister because he was sort of unambiguously a, a man, so it's not appropriate to... Uh, no, well, there, there's this idea, of course, uh, queer theology would say that no, he wasn't, he was definitely trans, of course. Yeah, yeah we um, had that, didn't we, actually, in the, uh, the Cambridge uh, Academy. This is where Mary Harrington would say abstraction is violence. Mm. Yeah. But it's I, all quite, I mean, it's quite violent. violence to Christian theology. Well, know, of course, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, um uh, as the um uh, the the preface to christmas says you know in time christ became a man born of a woman right okay let's uh, let's move on to we should, we should move on and uh, talk about something else so we we talked about that oh yeah so there was that other there was just that one other thing about um this article in the Telegraph, Christian seen as aggressive in trans court case. I, I can't it, quite work out what this chap's saying. Can you work out what he's saying? So it's the Reverend. Doctor, again? Yeah, yeah, some of the official. Yeah, it's the Reverend Doctor Malcolm Brown, who's the Archbishop's advisor, and he said a bunch of stuff about Christian. So this is this re, this refers to a case. Where what what was the case? So, so there's a, a teaching assistant shared um, Facebook posts uh, that were critical of gender ideology uh, on her Facebook, uh, not about her own school, but about the school her children were attending, uh, and uh, and saying that she didn't want those, which is a church movement school where, where the materials being used promoted transgenderism, um, which is unfortunately not. Entirely surprising, uh, but um, uh, the should we, should we read out his statement yeah. and try and make? Well, yeah, um, so so she, but, she lost. She so can I just say she lost yeah, her um, her first uh, employment tribunal because she came went to employment tribunal after she was sacked. Uh, but she's she's been um, it's gone to the court uh, to appeal court where where the judge has um, said that that that, that was not the correct outcome because they didn't give proper um uh didn't give proper 
due due regard to her freedom of expression, basically. So um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Tom, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was trying to find the statement. No. Um, yeah, so so this is so he is uh, the church's director of faith and public life, and he is some kind of advisor to the archbishops as well. So he writes, this is explaining why the church became involved, he said, and I think this kind of sounds like it was produced by chat GBT, to be honest. Is it is it GPT or GBT? It's P, isn't it? PT. Yeah. Over many years, cases which pitch Christians with particular views against people who find those views offensive have been fought between binary positions with little nuance. Um, that's a bit of a strange state statement because he seems to set it up in a kind of binary position with little nuance and then describe it as such. It's kind of tautological, um, or tautological, I should say. On the one hand, the representatives of Christians claiming to have been discriminated against argued that freedom to express their beliefs in public was absolute, whoever it offended. Is that is that what Christians are claiming? I don't think they're claiming that, are they? Well, um, I mean, no. I mean, I think, I mean, I would claim that. I mean, that's part of freedom of speech, isn't it? I mean, it's quite established part of freedom of speech. You, there's no, no right to not, not be offended. No, no, no. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that the freedom to express your belief in public is absolute. I think there are some. There are some. There are always, even in um, countries which promote freedom of speech. You know, ostensibly, you know, like the US, for example, there are still limits on freedom of speech. You can't. You can't promote a belief that will. Um, that will cause people to, you know, incite people to, to to immediate acts of violence, for example. So no, I know, but we're not talking about that. I mean, that yes, there are there are um, uh, limits on freedom of speech. You can't shout fire in a crowded theatre. You know, that, that you can't exhort people to um, to violence or criminality. No, you can't. But there is no right not to be offended. So we're talking specifically about offence. There's, you know, that actually there's no. Um, there's, it's be, uh, again and again it's been found there's no right not to be offended so so you you cannot you so being offended is not sufficient uh to to stop freedom of speech otherwise other for no, obvious I reasons i don't know for I'm obvious not... reasons because you could take offense at anything yeah but i, I mean I there's, no, there's I... no legal right for that you, who knows what you people could take offense at it's, um, an, it's an interesting question though isn't it because um we did used to have blasphemy laws in this country for example and... yeah we don't anymore but, yeah, but is, is that a good thing Huh, probably i don't think it's a good thing i think it's a bad thing personally i've just i've just i've just i've just decided tom that i think we should bring back blasphemy laws but now all i'm saying is we have new problem is jamie we've got new blasphemy laws yeah well we do don't we yeah yeah but it's not written um yeah which is yet yeah <clears throat> which is worse really for them being unwritten anyway that's that's a whole separate question um <clears throat> so i only just really thought about that um Carrying on. On the other, a chill fact. So this is, again, Reverend Dr. Martin Brown. Uh, sorry, what was his name? Malcolm. Malcolm Brown. Uh, on the other, a chill factor was leading employers to regard any expression of religious belief as potentially problematic. Senior contacts in the legal profession uh, told us of a judiciary increasingly frustrated with the way these cases were being argued in the courts, with the aggressive voices beginning to be seen as typically Christian. Uh, there may be a problem about expressing religious belief in public, but not exactly the one which some of the campaign groups uh, describe. So um, this is um, its not an exercise in clear communication, is it? He's using a lot of passive sentences, which make you think, what is he actually saying here? Um, so people in the judiciary frustrated with the way these, uh, well, they're saying that the Christians are being aggressive and there are problems about expressing religious belief in public, but not in the way that, for example, Mrs. Higgs 
uh, would would say. Is that what he's saying? Any idea? I suspect what he's saying is um, we don't like, we worry about the church being associated with unfashionable causes. It does sort of sound a bit like that, doesn't it? It does sound like that. I mean, that's uh, to me what it sounds and, like. And that doesn't really excite our PR department. Mm, yeah. Um, just finish this quote off. People who make a mistake or act naively should be protected. Those who use their expressions of faith or opposition to faith to provoke an angry reaction or who trample over the integrity of others will see that their legal claims are likely to fail. Uh, we hope that the lazy assumption that religious belief is only truly authentic when it is strident and in your face may have been laid to rest. Uh, so there we go. So Unless, of course, it's to certain other political causes. Mm. Yeah. Then it can be as strident as it wants. Yeah, well, then but it's, it makes a mockery of, say, Paul in Corinthians. You know, the, the, the cross is an offence to, to to the to the Greeks and a stumbling block to Jews. Um, you know, it, it, the, the the message of Christianity is offensive to those who dwell in sin. It's the other way around, isn't it, Tom? Is it? Isn't it? A st- isn't it an offence to Greeks and a stumbling block to Jews? That's what I said. Or maybe it's the other way around from that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think because the Greeks don't like it because it sounds illogical and the Jews don't like it because they can't have their Messiah being crucified. That's the point. That's the point, yeah. point isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is basically saying we don't want to upset our guardian reading friends. Yeah, yeah. So they don't, he's, he's, a bit, he's, he's a bit unhappy about all these, all these Christians who are taking employment tribunals to court for, for in order to protect their 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 rights to express the christian faith mm. well boy um, they're not they're not very excited about you lot either no uh, and they're very underwhelmed and and this and this this level of unhappiness has caused him to to, re- to release a statement which is entirely unreadable but um i mean to be fair we've only got this one that's been chopped up by the telegraph so what maybe it's missing all the context that makes this into a brilliant piece of prose um mm. Uh, but you know, maybe not. Uh, the, you know, I, I just, I just think he's, he's. I think that what he's saying effectively is that he, he doesn't want the Church of England or Christianity to be associated with these people, these rabble rousers, these these offensive types who who are prepared to say things that people don't like to hear, uh, and uh, and when and when they then get. Um, uh, fired, they have the audacity to take their mm. uh, their um, their firings to courts, which is upsetting the judiciary, who are finding this very upsetting because they have to sit there and listen and be judges of these people they don't really agree with, um, and uh, and what and what they have to do is is actually listen to uh, to Christians. Um, say things that are outrageous, Jamie. Like you know, people with penises are men. Willies. Yeah. Willies. I mean, he, he's Willies. recommending, isn't he, essentially yeah. that the uh, the hierarchy of the church um, has a policy of washing its hands. Just wash those hands. Mm. Yes. Wash those hands. Yeah. Just let those people's jobs go. Don't you know? Don't speak up. If a teacher in a school says it's okay to be a cat, and it's a church school. It's a church school. Just keep quiet about that. Do you know? You know. Next, the next thing oh. we'll see is the update to valuing God's children with with an section on you know. Cats, and you know, if you if you if you really, Fairies, you know, yeah. If, yeah, if you want to be a, if you want to be a cat, that should be respected. Don't be exclusive um, of other yeah. animal choices. No. Animal gender. They're all made in the image of God, apart from those who identify as um, non-human. 
Yes, or climate. Well, what about those? But, you know, the the, the thing, the comment about the judiciary is 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 farcical, isn't it? Um, it's so low resolution. It's like, well, there there have been reports, or we've been hearing, you know, um, you know, off the record by people in the judiciary that there is what does it say, frustration or something like that. I mean, that's not the way our our legal system works, is it? Like, you know, the law is supposed to be impartial. It's supposed to be fair. Uh, it's supposed to be applied equally to everyone. Who cares if some legal person has made some kind of comment to him? It doesn't it doesn't characterize the judiciary in the whole of the English legal system, does it? It's like, you know, you better stop doing this. You better stop bringing these 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 court, uh, these cases to court. Otherwise, the judiciary is going to be annoyed with you like you're they're going to be ticked off. I mean, it's it's kind of a ridiculous comment, really. But yeah. there we go. Uh, we should we should move on because there are a couple of stories I just wanted to do before we we run out of our time. Is that all right? Did you want to? Yeah, no, move on. Yeah. Um, just a couple of things. I, I don't know. Um, if there's very much to say about this, really. But um, I did see um, a, a really sad uh, um, article about the uh, persecution of Christians in in Nigeria. Um, I've got a, an article here from Crux, uh, which is a Catholic. Um, um, publication reports claim 700 christians killed as farewell gift to nigeria's ex-president um a leading nigerian human rights organization has published a report claiming that largely muslim fulani herdsmen killed about 700 christians in may as farewell gifts to former president muhammadu bahari um who just handed power over to um to president bola tinubu uh, the Nigerian radical Islamic leaders who marked the end of their civilian office tenures on 29th of May were wished farewell by jihadist Fulani herdsmen who marked the end of their office tenures by slaughtering not less than 700 defenseless Christians in May, uh, states this report. Uh, the report details uh, alleged Christian killings in several states, noting that Plateau State donated 350 Christian lives, Ben Benue 190, Kaduna 100, Nazarawa uh, 62, Niger 50, and it goes on like that. Um, not less than 1,100 defenseless Christians were hacked to death by Nigerian government-backed Islamic jihadis in the past 60 days uh, between 12th of April and 12th of uh, June, which averages about seven, 17 Christian deaths a, a day. Um, and it, it goes on like this. I mean, I'll put I'll put it in the, the show notes, but I just think this kind of thing, it's important to, to talk about this because Christians are persecuted um, around the world and they are martyred for their faith. And um, particularly so apparently in mm. Nigeria, we should remember this. Of course, this is never going to be mentioned by the, the media in our country because it wants to propagate the kind of narrative that, that the Reverend Dr. Malcolm Brown is uh, such a fan of, but uh, this is a reality. Mm. Those uh, black lives don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter. Do they? Those Christian, no. those, those black Christian lives don't matter in, in Nigeria. So that's that's really sad, and we should pray for the church in in Nigeria, uh, which is mm. being persecuted and at risk. Mm. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? Um, so there's that, and then the other thing I just want to talk about. And this was last week, but we were away. Um, is this thing about this woman who was sent to jail? Um, I think she has been sent to jail, hasn't she? Because she aborted mm. her child at, at 32 weeks old, um, uh, and. Um, uh, I thought it was particularly interesting that Alison Pearson, the, the Telegraph journalist, wrote a piece, a piece about this. Um, now, I don't know whether you chaps have more details on the story, but um, so it was the, the British Pregnancy uh, Advisory Service sent her some, is it that they sent her some, the abortion pills in the post? Yeah, so it's, it's a very sad very sad background, really, because, I mean, it wasn't possible to do abortions at home until the lockdown 
lockdown. And then they successfully campaigned um, just so that the killing of children could continue, um, uh, unabated by lockdown, uh, to have this um, at-home abortion pills, but only, I think, only if you're under 10 weeks pregnant. But it was laughably easy to bypass that. There was no checks and balances at all. There's no requirement for ultrasounds. Um, you know, there's no even requirement. I mean, people did it under false names, etc. You know, um, so uh, this then was continued after lockdown. So it became it became a sort of de facto having been introduced. It, it continued. So um, it was an attempt. There were, were strong attempts by some Christian charities to to resist this, but unfortunately, um, there's uh, it's happened. And this is exactly what people said would happen. Mm. Thanks, um, Matt Hancock. Mm. Yeah. So she lied. She lied to be pass. And said and gave them the impression she was seven weeks pregnant. So you couldn't you couldn't have them if you're over ten weeks pregnant. But she was actually what thirty two weeks pregnant or something like that. We're talking viable child, you know. Mm. Yeah, my well, daughter was born pram at thirty two weeks. Yeah, finished her GCSEs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there are there are countless in in Alison Pearson's article. She she quotes many tweets of people saying very very similar things to that and her article is it is entitled if you choose to abort your baby at 32 weeks jail is exactly where you belong a woman's reproductive rights do not include stopping the heart of a baby that can live outside his mother's body so if anyone has ever seen a picture of a 32 year old baby it doesn't really look that much different from a baby that's been born um at 40 weeks or around that um and it's it's un it's it's sort of uh, unbelievable that someone could do something like this uh, i think the the impression i get is that she moved in with a, a man who who wasn't the father of the child um and that and i i assume that that was the motive in in her wanting to no. destroy this child um and there have been calls by many people uh, you know labor and um people on the left uh, to to say that this is actually wrong that she's been sent to prison and that we need to update the the law so this kind of thing doesn't happen i just wanted to and 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 alison is p- pushing back against against that i just wanted to read a bit of what she said where i think uh, i think is the real weakness in what she says so she writes in case you're wondering i fully support abortion within the legal limit because insisting women should have babies they don't want or can't provide for is not humane to mother or child Bringing up a baby that you want is tough enough, but the British 24 limit is getting harder and harder to defend as advances in medical science mean fetuses can survive earlier outside the womb. Um, So I I think that that really contradicts what she said in the rest of the article, because essentially what she's saying in the rest of the article is that this this child had a right to, to life. And um, that it, you know, that the child should be thought about, and the child has rights, and so on and so forth. Um, but what she's saying, what she's saying here is that abortion. I mean, to me, it's a, a confused viewpoint uh, because she's saying that abortion is um, an acceptable thing to do as long as the child is 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 not viable, and that it's not humane to have a child. It's not a, a humane for a woman to have a child that she doesn't want, as long as it's. As long as it's not viable. Now, to me, that's that's just a completely arbitrary distinction, and um, it just makes it just makes absolutely no sense to me. You know the thing about the heart beating. I haven't actually looked this up, but um, she says, you know, you, you you shouldn't stop a heart beating, but don't don't babies' hearts beat from quite an early stage? I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's it's like a matter of weeks. I'll look it up in a second. It's very uh, early. You can see a heartbeat, I think, on a ten week scan. Is yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'll look it up, but. Um, 
it's just to me this idea of it being viable why why does a child accrue rights when it's viable i mean babies that are born are not viable in the sense that they need constant care and supervision for years right um and especially mm-hmm. when they're just born um they need to be fed they can't sleep um you know they can't walk obviously they can't talk they can't do anything mm-hmm. and hence the practice in rome wasn't it of infanticide yeah. that uh, the father of the house would decide from whichever wife had uh, procured yeah. a child whether or not he recognized that child as a potential member of his household and if he didn't uh they were you know put out to the hills to die yeah yeah it's five to six weeks um that a baby starts a baby's heart starts beating so when she says um a woman's reproductive rights do not include start stopping the heart of a baby that can live outside of its mother's body you're stopping a you're stopping a heartbeat for 30 weeks prior to to the to the time at which this woman um killed her child um and I just think, you know, I mean, I don't know whether Alison would ever listen to this podcast or be interested in what we have to say, but I just think, you know, you just need to embrace the reality that abortion is wrong and that children have a right to life from the time they're conceived and that there's no there's no limit which is not which is not totally arbitrary. That's that's what I would want to say to her. Just just wake up. Wake up. You're saying all the right things, but like um, don't support abortion within the legal limit because the legal limit is nonsense. It doesn't make any sense and it's completely inhumane. That's my view, man. I believe she does listen to the podcast. No, she, she's printed last year that we were one of her favourites. Really? Mm. Is that true? Mm. Wow. Well, maybe she is. Li- maybe she's listening. But if Hi, she- Alison. Yeah. Go on, Tom. You, you Karen. I said hi, Alison. Uh, you know, I think we, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, Jamie. Um, it's, it's incoherent. Um, I remember. Uh, do you remember there was a, some work done by some philosophers in in Oxford? I think saying, you know, you know, arguing that effectively you can justify infanticide by the which we said already by the same logic criteria that that you can justify abortion. And um, uh, it's it's not as if there are not plenty of um, of uh, adoption charities of, of, of other ways of um of making sure that the babies can have a, have a good start to life even if they're you know quote unwanted unquote mm-hmm. um you know and um and, that, and that's that's why we have them and that's you know it's part of the support that christianity has always offered um not always uh uh in the best way maybe but it's something that's always been a a, a response you know adoption charities and, and making sure that these uh, the, the babies are cared for yeah. um so uh i uh yeah i mean it's also pointed out i think it was in unheard and i was reading about this or possibly in the critic that if she hadn't kept um uh pleading not guilty um the chances are that this woman would have only got a suspended sentence you know she wouldn't have had jail time it's only because she kept pleading not guilty that she's got jail time um yeah, I think the fact that we've had these kind of um, these outcries, or oh, how can a woman be sent to jail for doing this? I think it shows how desensitized we've become to what's actually going on. Yeah, you know, if you kill a thirty-two-week-old, was it thirty-two weeks or was it? I think it was thirty-two, 32 weeks. Thirty-two. If you kill a thirty-two-week-old child, you know the 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 violence that has to be done to that child, which is a you know unambiguously uh, living, breathing, sentient human being in its in its most um in its earliest most vulnerable stages is unconscionable and so you have to ask yourself is is that is that not 
legitimately thought of as a criminal act that deserves um, uh, retribution and, if possible, rehabilitation. What what else? What else could um, qualify for such a such a description if not killing a child of that age? I just I I just can't I can't understand. But I think the reason is is because people have been so desensitized because this practice has been going on now for decades legally. Uh, millions and millions of children have been destroyed as a result of it, and we just it's like we're it's like we're morally numb to to the reality of what's actually going on. And so we say, oh, it's terrible. Well, my it's terrible. suspicion is that um, if we have a Labour government, that in essence, this will all be decriminalised. That the momentum, sadly, on that side of Parliament is for this and um, that there will be some kind of review. And I suspect on the back of this, we'll probably also have a Canadian-style euthanasia system introduced. I think you could be right. I hope, yeah. hope you're not right, but I fear you are. And, of course, what will the church say? Virtually nothing, one suspects. Nothing. But, uh, yeah, um, I mean, that, that really? is a whole other question, isn't it, of, of what, what if anything can be done about the possibility of Labour getting in and doing things like this. But I think the point, the point, the central point that I think really needs to be emphasised here is that all of these criteria, you know, viability, uh, having certain limits when, you know, uh, at which point a child um, has a uh, personhood and uh, protected status and all this kind of stuff. None of this, none of this works. All of this is completely arbitrary, and you can just you can just remove it, and and the logic of abortion uh, remains un, yeah. untouched. The only thing that can safeguard the life of children within within the womb at any age is to insist that children within the womb are made in the image of God. They're human beings, and they should not be killed by abortion. Mm-hmm. And there's just have a have a complete um, uh, zero tolerance policy on any other view and and there may be a small gray area where where you say well what about in certain cases if the the pregnancy of the child uh, threatens the life of the mother that may be a legitimate question um but it does not justify what's going on even if you think it's that is it is an acceptable thing to do that does not justify what's going on because it's not none of these are about that it's just about people aborting children destroying children because they don't because they don't want them and well, you you can see the the connection, can't you, to the previous conversation that we've had on on gender and reality. That if if in my head I can decide what I am, yeah, then I can likewise do the same to you. Yeah, if I want you to identify as basically being um, a, a fleshy meat product, um, or I want to dehumanize you. It's easy if it's if the whole of reality is just something that I decide in my head, then anything can be justified. It is uh, uh, it is the culture of death. Uh, it is uh, what was it the Ratzinger quote? Uh, the dictatorship of relativism. Mm. My truth is my truth, and um, uh, I've set the world up in this way. Who are you to say that it's any different? Yeah, absolutely. I think the um, one of the best um, analogies I've ever heard in this, um, which I think, uh, I don't know whether he made it up, but it was our friend Mike Tom who I first heard this from. He said, um, if you had a building that was scheduled, scheduled for demolition, 
Um, and uh, you weren't sure whether there was a person inside of it, you would not just say, well, there probably isn't someone in there. Let's go ahead and demolish the building. Um, because you would want to find out for sure that there was no one in that building before you demolished it. So you do, you'd, you'd have to check. And if you weren't sure, you just wouldn't demolish it because you don't want to kill a person. And applying that by analogy to the situation with abortion, if you're unsure that what you're doing, oh, sorry, oh, I just slipped on my chair, sorry. <laughs> um, if you're unsure that the thing that's in the womb, uh, you know, if you're unsure of its status, whether it's a child or not, whether it's a human being, you should apply the same logic. You should say, well, I'm not sure whether that's a human being. So to err on the side of caution, I won't legalize it up to 24 weeks and have millions and millions and millions of them destroyed because I could be destroying millions and millions and millions of children. Uh, so you'd, uh, you would logically you would and, and ethically you would err on the side of caution. But of course, we don't do that. We just say, well, they can't be children. They can't be. Can't be the case. Just can't be because uh, they're not viable or for some other arbitrary criteria. Well, I, I suspect because then you, if, if, if you change your mind now, you would come under the crushing guilt of having enabled as a society and as individuals uh, the deaths of uh, millions. How many Mozarts have we killed? That's what well, I always wonder. I don't know, but uh, probably it's not many Mozarts, is it? Because Mozart was probably like a one in a one in a billion, wasn't he? I think. And but, one in a billion, we're getting quite close to uh, coming close to at least one. You know? Well, that's well, yeah. I mean, I just uh, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, it depends, if, it depends on how how highly you rate Mozart. Well, I know but that's the point, isn't it? You know, how many how many great geniuses? Probably quite a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, how many how many people who have made a real difference to this world? But but do you uh, not think, Tom? It's just it's just. It, it's not even a question of whether or not somebody was going to be a genius or no, no, absolutely not. But it's just they have it's a just, right to live. And they absolutely, absolutely. But it's just it's just a sort of thought that comes into my head sometimes. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I've heard an an a sort of an allegory on on the, on the lines of um, you know, someone pleading to the Almighty, "Why is there cancer?" Uh, and the, getting the divine response, "You were sent." the the genius who cured it but he was aborted mm. yeah. yeah well there we go so Alison, please um come come to our side on this because you're very very close to being correct uh in everything you say um but the obvious the obvious implication is to 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 be uh to be pro-life um that's the obvious implication what you're saying if you want to use that american phrase i don't mind applying it to myself at all uh chaps we've, we've spoken about i think probably everything we're going to speak about today so i'm just going to do a little plug uh, to support the plug podcast and then we'll um then we'll finish up um but just to say if you've made it this far in the podcast you must enjoy it uh so please do consider supporting us now i've um i've just taken a part-time vickering job partly so i can work on this podcast more so i am now highly reliant on this income uh, so please, please, please do uh, support this podcast. We need it not just for my income, but also um, for our overheads, which includes, um, you know, our server costs and our equipment and everything like that. Um, it's really, really important that we're supported by our listeners. We don't have we don't have any adverts on the show. We're not working for any kind of uh, corporation. We're not uh, selling you things. We're just entirely supported by our listeners. So please do consider supporting us. You can do that on Patreon, which you can find on our website, Revan.com, and uh, just click on the big red button. On Patreon, you can support us monthly for as little as £1.50 per month, plus VOT in the UK. 
and you get the episodes a little bit early and you get our bonus audio podcast which is called uncollared where we just chat about various really really interesting and often funny things um that's just a little extra that everyone who supports us on patreon gets so please go to patreon.com and click on the red button and support us one pound fifty a month or more if you'd like to and we do appreciate it when people give us more than that uh, because it, it helps us so much or you can leave us a little message on buy me a coffee and um, leave a donation on there. It's a virtual coffee. It's not a real coffee. It's just a, a way of making a donation online. So again, go on patreon.com and click on the yellow button, uh, buy me a coffee. And uh, we will see you there. Also, you can uh, join us on Telegram. I love our Telegram channel. Uh, Telegram is my favorite social media because it allows me to be so self-indulgent. Uh, go dot, do um, t.me forward slash irreverent pod and join us on Telegram. Telegram. Send us an email at reverendpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at irreverendpod, etc., etc. Um, but yes, it'd be great if you could uh, support us in some way. Chaps, that's the end of my notices. Um, thanks so much for the conversation. Really enjoyed it today. Uh, does someone want to do a, a little prayer? Has anyone got something they can uh, share with us? Uh, bear me a sec. I'm just going to get um, this um, coming Sunday's collect. Ah, yes. Well, this this is appropriate, I think. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have broken the tyranny of sin and sent your son, sent the spirit of your son into our hearts, whereby we call you Father. Give us grace to dedicate our freedom to your service that we and all creation may be brought to the glorious liberty of the children of God. We make this prayer through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Um, tyranny of sin needs to be yeah. broken. And a uh, reference to uh, Romans 8 there as well, which Tom mentioned earlier, uh, I believe. So very good. All right, chaps. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we're still, we're still, we still don't have a sign off line, which we're waiting for. So somebody needs to think of something, uh, you know, a cool thing we can say at the end, like, uh, you know, nice to see you, to see you nice or something like that. Just uh, bless you all. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you. See you again soon. <laughs>